Isaiah chapter 5, verse number 13. Therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge, and their honorable men are famished, and their multitude dried up with thirst. Therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure, and their glory and their multitude and their pomp, and he that rejoiceth shall descend into it. You know, I've heard a lot of folks make a statement like this, that uh, God hath enlarged hell because uh, man has chose to go his own way. But you know, when I read this, and I think about the foreknowledge of God, the Bible said uh, that hell hath enlarged herself. You know what we're seeing there? What we're seeing there is a means of a human understanding With the foreknowledge of God, God has not changed His plan. And if He foreknew from before the foundation of the world who would be saved and who would end up in hell, do you think He made it the right size or do you reckon He had to change? You see, a lot of Scripture in the Bible is written that man can wrap his mind around it. But I would like to think today about this Word, therefore my people are gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. So as you think about that, could you entertain these thoughts that man really has no knowledge of sin or the price for it? Man really doesn't have a knowledge of the requirements of God, that man is lacking in knowledge of the person and the purpose of Jesus Christ coming to this world. And you might say, well, we all know that. As a whole, as a whole, our world does not know that, and the United States of America does not know that. And I believe that a great multitude of church people do not know that. I believe that with all my heart. What? Do we have a knowledge of what God has done, what Jesus did Uh, Do we have a knowledge of the Word of God? Uh, A few little statistics for you. So, 52% of Christians believe that they're going to heaven by works. You get specific, and Catholics, 70% that believe they're going to heaven by works. 63% of Americans believe in karma. You do good, good's going to come back to you. You do bad, bad's coming back to you. So, is believing in God sufficient to make it to heaven? That's right, Larry. The very Scripture that I believe, the very Scripture I had written down, the devils believe there is one God and tremble. Does that get us to heaven? But people believe if you believe in God, that's enough. You see what a world of deception we're living in? So 63%, and I'm not, I'm not in the world, I'm talking about America. 63% of Americans believe that some faith will get you to heaven. Some faith. It doesn't matter if it's biblical faith. 
if it's faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, just some faith. You've heard that. I mean, as long as you've got faith in something, 63% of Americans believe that. 72% believe that you get to heaven by good works. Now, that's all. 62% of, a, of Christians believe that. A little bit more. So, 69% of Americans believe in Christianity. When you say being born again, that number drops from 69% to 35%. 58% of Americans believe that the Holy Spirit is symbolic of the power of God and not a person. He, the Holy Spirit, moved into me one day. He, the Holy Spirit, dwells with me. He, the Holy Spirit, is one just like Jesus Christ that He said, I'm going to send you another who will be with you always, who will never leave you nor never depart. Do you think that we're living in a world that has no knowledge of God, no knowledge of sin, no knowledge of the Bible? We're living in that world in America. We're living in that world in our churches today. That's the world we're living in and hell have enlarged herself because my people have no knowledge. America considers itself to be a 69% Christian nation. America considers itself to be a Christian nation. 69%. But when you say a nation that believes in being born again, that number drops to 35%. What a world we're living in. A world with no knowledge of God. No knowledge of the purpose of Jesus Christ. No knowledge of the payment of sin. No knowledge today. I tell you where we are. We're in a world where man justifies himself. We're living in a world where man has a way figured out that he can get to heaven. If you want to turn with me, I will be doing quite a bit of turning. But if you'd like to follow along or turn, I'm going to begin in the book of Proverbs chapter number 14. Proverbs 14, very familiar scripture. I, I, I know that you're aware of it. But Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way which seemeth, or that word means to appear, or it looks correct. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Notice how that verse is written. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. So you reckon before Anthony was saved, he had a way figured out? Reckon before I was saved, I had a way figured out? Reckon our families and our people that are unsaved, reckon they've got a way figured out? So every man, I wonder how many ways there are. Multitudes or millions of ways that man has figured out and it peer, appears. I mean, remember now, 
that most people believe they're going to get there, even Christians believe they're going to get there by good works. That's probably the predominant thought in most people's mind. But there is nothing, absolutely nothing biblical about that. Nothing biblical. So there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. How many? 300 million, 300 plus million in America today. Reckon, reckon they've got a way figured out. <coughs> I know everybody doesn't believe in heaven. They don't. The numbers are falling all the time. But by the Word of God, there is a heaven and there is a hell. There is a life after this. I'm not going to be annihilated. This is not all there is. If in this life only we had hope in Christ, we would be of all men most miserable. Especially in the day that the writer Paul wrote that down. What a day of misery that must have been if in this life only I have hope in Christ. But thank God there is a life after this. And man has got him away figured out. But the end thereof are the ways... All of those ways are the ways of death. Proverbs 16.2 All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes. Am I going to justify myself? Why, sure I am. We're going to justify ourselves. Now I'm talking about in man's perspective. But the Lord, the Lord weigheth the Spirit. You know what the Lord does? The Lord checks me on the inside. The Lord looks at my intent. The Lord looks at what I really am. Uh, the Lord knows how corrupt I am, not on the outward appearance. No, no. God looks at the heart and He sees what is in the heart. And by the Word of God, the heart is desperately wicked. Our friend, it is a, a, a deceiver. What a deceiver that man's heart is. And you know what he says? God knows my heart. I tell you what a fearful thing if we really understood that. Instead of having no knowledge of God knowing our heart, man says, God knows my heart. I'm good. I'm right. I'm upright. God knows that I'm a good person. God knows all about me. I tell you what we are. We're deceived. And friend, man has no knowledge of God really knowing your heart. Friend, you know what you think? You think you're good. That's what man thinks. No knowledge of what the Bible says. The Bible says there's none good. That's it. There's none good. Except for me. No, He covered that. There is none good. No, not one. When I read that verse, that speaks to my heart. That speaks to me. That includes me. That gets down to the nitty gritty where I live. Oh man, every man is right in his own eyes. A oh, friend, but the Lord weigheth the Spirit. Oh, the Lord looks at the intent. God looks on the inside. Who in the world can be justified before this holy God? Chapter number 21. Verse 2. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. So the Lord measures 
Now listen. The Lord pondereth, the Lord measures. And we'll get there. Maybe it may be a service or two. But we're going to get there. We're going to get there to God's standard. You know, just, and I'd say everybody in here has got one. I'd say everybody in here may have multiple tape measures at your house. Do you know that in Washington, D.C., and the National Institute of Measurement and Technology, that there is a one-foot measurement that every legitimate tape measure that's made is made by that scale. Weights and measures. Am I going to measure me by me? Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Every man is straight. Every man is just. But the Lord pondereth the Lord. I tell you what man is. Man is a self-flatterer. Man is a self-exalter. Man, I, I, I believe this, that every one of us think more of ourselves than we ought to. He, he cautions us about that. In Corinthians and Romans, not to think of ourselves above what we are, because you see, if I'm going to heaven, if I'm going to be able to escape that enlarging hell, then I'm going to have to be measured by God. But man has no knowledge of that measurement. He really doesn't. Man is blind to that. Man has a real problem with that. So uh, let, let's, let's, let's think about sin. Let's think about God and sin. Do you think man thinks he's a sinner? <laughs> Why, man don't think he's a sinner. Man thinks he's all right with God. I'm going to look in Psalm chapter number 7, verse number 10. Verse number 9, I'm sorry. Psalm 7, verse 9. Now I want you to think about the world we're living in. You think we're living in a world that thinks they're sinners. Well, I might do a little something, but overall, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a good person. Overall, I believe God's going to accept me. I mean, you know, when I figure out the book and I, I go down the, uh, uh, the credit side and go down the debit side, really, I, I, I'm always in the black. I, I'm never in the red. I'm a good person. Listen to what the Bible says. 7-9, the book of Psalms. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God trieth the heart and the reins, my defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. That sounds good, don't it? I bet there's a lot of people put their self right there. Upright in heart, God. God is going to, God is going to justify me. God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, if who turn not? I'm going to read it again. You figure out who's turning. 
My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will whet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instrument of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. If he turn not, if he turn not, he will whet it. Who needs to turn? Our first inclination might be the wicked. But you know who's included in the wicked? Every man. Every man. He says in the previous verse, My defense is of God which saveth the upright in heart. Do you know what Ezekiel said? Ezekiel said, I need a new heart. Ezekiel said, I'm going to take away the old stony heart and I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to wash you with water. I'm going to make a new creature out of you. I'm going to take away that old heart of wickedness and ungodliness and wretchedness. I'm going to take that away and I'm going to give you a new heart. You know who can do that? Only God. A friend, man. Man is in his wickedness. And if man does not turn to God, and will man turn to God? I mean, Brad read to us this morning out of the book of Ezekiel that he said turn unto me oh why will you die but will man turn does man have any desire to turn does man have any knowledge that he needs to turn man is upright in his own eyes Man, every man is right in his own eyes uh, every way of man is right in his own eyes I tell you what if God doesn't come by and bring us and give us some knowledge I tell you what we'll do we'll all die in our sins and go to hell But I want you to listen. God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, if the wicked, if the ungodly, if every man, if there's not a turning, if he turn not, he will whet his sword. I tell you, God, you know what God's doing? Every two or three days at my house, I got a steel laying right on the island in the kitchen. I jerk that out and I sharpen my knife. God's sharpening his sword. Right here is the sword, the Word of God. You know what he's going to do? He's going to get it into the quick. God's going to get it to where it's sharp. God's going to get in it. And this is what the Bible said. The Bible said he, he, he wet his sword, he had bent his bow and made it ready. You know where God's got? God's got his bow dropped back. He's got it pulled back with an arrow in it. God has got his bow broken back and got an arrow in it. A friend, if you and I don't turn to God, if America doesn't turn to God, if church members don't turn to God, if people on Spring Creek don't turn to God, if my family and your family doesn't turn to God, if the good man, the moral man, the upright man in his own mind doesn't turn to God, God's got a bow drawn and a sword sharpened. That's the truth. That's by the Word of God. That's not what I think. That's not what 62% think. That's what God said. My people are going into captivity because they have no knowledge. 
Man has no knowledge of his own condition. Man has no knowledge. Man justifies himself. And you know those three or four verses I read, that's just the beginning of man justifying himself. But God is angry with the wicked every day. A friend is whetting his sword, and friend has got his bow. Draw back. Why is hell enlarged herself? Because my people have no knowledge. The truth is, man doesn't want to know. He hath prepared... Now, now here's a God that foreknows, okay? He hath prepared for Him the instruments of death. I tell you what's going to kill or save every individual that has ever walked upon the face of the earth. The Word of God. The Word of God is going to judge you, condemn you, and send you to hell, or the Word of God to be accepted will bring you to a place that you can be accepted with God. He's already prepared it. He's prepared the instruments of death. And you know, for the wicked that He's angry with, for the unsaved, for those that are never born again, for those that justify Himself, He's got something prepared to bring you to death. So, let's look also in, a, in a, a Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. Why are we in such a shape? Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse number 20. The Bible says this, For there is no just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Do you think that God is under obligation to punish sin? Seriously. Do you think God is under obligation to punish sin? If He's a holy God, if He's a just God, if He's a righteous God, does He not have to punish sin? How would you like to go to the courthouse Monday and somebody stole from you, somebody destroyed your property, Maybe somebody even hurt someone in your family. And the judge said, Well, you know, I, I, I know that person and they didn't, they didn't really mean for all of that to happen. And, 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 and I'm a loving and caring and a merciful judge. I'm going to let them go. What would you think if that was your house and your family and your goods? Is that a good judge? Is that a righteous judge? Is that a just judge? Is that not the judge that most of America thinks today that God is? 
Does not America today think that God is a judge who is going to allow sin to slide? I'm going to be able to live for the devil and live for the world and do what I want and never come to an acknowledgement of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never come a friend to have my sins paid for. And yet God is going to accept me no knowledge. Our people are gone into captivity because there's no knowledge. You know what they've got? They've got a false knowledge. They've got something they've conjured up in their own minds. Are they good? Well, preacher, I believe I'm pretty good. The Bible said there's no man that's good. There's no man. I don't believe. It doesn't matter. You can, you can search from the White House, a friend of the gutter, and friend, you can search behind the pulpit, and every one of us will be found to be sinners. For there is not a just man upon the earth. You know what the Bible said? He said the heaven was searched and the earth was searched and beneath the earth was searched. Let's think for a minute about that statement. Did God really make a search of heaven, of earth, and beneath the earth to see if there was someone worthy? He did not. No, He did not. That's where you and I can wrap our human mind around it. He already knew Jesus Christ was slain as a lamb before the foundation of the world. He knew. Can you not see that God's in control? Folks, when you read your Bible, don't forget the character of God. Don't forget that God is not a man like you. Be mindful that God is merciful and long-suffering with little worms like me and you, that He gives us something that we can wrap our little feeble mind around that we can understand, but don't bring God down to be like a man. There's no just, what the book said. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Even when man does good, you know what he's got? He's got an ulterior motive for doing good. I'm going to do good so these people will recognize me. I'm going to do good so these folks will praise me. I'm going to do good. I know it's going to cost me a little. I know it's going to cost me a little, but look what I'm going to get. You look at our political system today. Is that not what it's running on? Are they not spending money? Don't they have backers that are spending money? And what are they going to do? I mean, they're, they're going to spend 5, 10, 15, 25, 30 million dollars to get a job that pays 200,000 a year. Really? There must be something else that drives that, isn't there? You see the corruption. There's none that doeth good. There's none that's just. Let's go to Romans. Uh, wait before we before we go there. Let's go to let's go to Numbers fourteen, fourteen eighteen. Numbers fourteen eighteen. We'll go to Romans in just a few minutes. Romans fourteen eighteen. The Bible said this, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy. 
forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation. Is God going to let sin slide? Do you think sin has to be paid for? For the believer, it was paid on Calvary. How about the unbeliever? They're going to pay eternally. And let me tell you this. One sin equals eternity in hell. One sin equals eternity in the lake of fire. You know what? America doesn't believe that. America has no knowledge of that. Most of our church people have no knowledge of that. Most people in this neighborhood that we're living in right here has no knowledge that one sin equals eternity in hell. Most people do not believe that. Therefore, hell have enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. Why are my people... Why is America... Founded, started as a Christian nation. Why are my people gone into captivity? No knowledge. So by the Word of God in Numbers, Numbers number 14, 18, that He said He will in no wise acquit the wicked. In the book of Nahum, and also in the book of Nahum, He says this, <clears throat> the wrath, the Lord, this is Nahum chapter 1, verse 3, the Lord is slow to anger and great power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath His way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds are the dust of His feet. You know something? Is God going to acquit? Is God going to uh, get rid of that file? Is God going to get rid of that case? Will God get rid of the wicked Will he get rid of the case against them? Will he acquit the wicked? By the word of God, he cannot. By the character of God, he cannot. The Lord is slow to anger. You know what he is? I'll tell you what he is. He's long suffering to usward. He is long suffering, our friend, that you and I might be saved, that we might be brought into the family of God. He is long suffering, our friend, not willing that any should perish. But I must remind you that the writer writing that letter is writing to Christians who are under persecution, who are writing to Christians who are in great trial. Our friend, God is long-suffering to usward. Is God long-suffering with our world today? I believe He is. Is He of great power? i tell you what, He's like a whirlwind. Our friend, suddenly, our friend, all of a sudden, our friend out in the Midwest, our friend out there in Kansas, and friend all across Tennessee, See, our friend, you know what? In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, can come up a twister, and I tell you what, man can't do anything about it. Everything in the pathway is destroyed. He said he's like the whirlwind, and the clouds are under his feet. He's giving us another picture of what God is like. Nahum 1 3. The Lord is slow to anger, mercy, long-suffering, and great in power, and will not at all. No exceptions. He will not at all get rid of your case.
I tell you, there's only one that can rid your case. There's only one that can pay your price. There's only one that can get this dismissed. There's only one that can clear the book. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. But I I don't want to dwell there right now. I want to dwell on this, that man has no knowledge, a friend of his sin or the payment for it. God will not. God is not going to acquit the wicked. God is not going to look the other way. Sin is going to be paid for. Slow to anger, great in power, will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord hath His way in the whirlwind, and the storm and the clouds are the dust of His feet. Man, you talk about violent, you talk about untamable, you talk about destruction when the power of God is loosed on humanity, whether it be as a whole or individually. I'll tell you, it'll be like a tornado. A friend, it'll tear up everything in the pathway, and it'll come suddenly, and I don't care if you get offering all of heaven and earth together. You can't stop it. Isn't it amazing that with all the technology and all of the power that we can't stop a F1 tornado. The power of God is likened unto that. But you know, I believe an F5 is the top, right? Is that 200 plus miles an hour? He's greater than that. His destruction is greater than that. If it could be, if it could be that an F5 go through the, the, the territory, a friend, most likely, I don't know how long, I don't know how long it might be. It might be a minute. It might be 30 seconds. It might be 10 seconds that it passed over my house, over my place. And But friend, you know something? Thank God it's gone. Thank God it's on the other side. Thank God it's blowing out. Thank God He turned the power down. Thank God He did that. But know this, when God brings destruction, when God comes down like a whirlwind, I'll tell you this, friend, that destruction shall never end. You're not going to burn up. You're not going to be suffering for a little while. The destruction of God will be eternal. Habakkuk, next book over, chapter 2, verse 3. What's going to happen in this book? The Chaldeans are coming to destroy Israel. And Habakkuk says, Lord, you can't do that. Lord, I know we're bad. Here's man. Here's man justifying himself. Lord, I know we're bad, but they're a lot worse than us. Surely, Lord, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't destroy us with somebody worse than us. He's going to. He is going to bring Israel into captivity by the Chaldeans. You know what people think? Well, you know, because because sentence against an evil work is not done speedily, 
because the moment that I sin, God doesn't bring judgment. Man thinks, well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to get by. I'm going to slide by. I mean, I'm getting along pretty good. No knowledge. No knowledge. Hell hath enlarged herself because my people have no knowledge. Habakkuk chapter 2. The Lord said, write this, verse 2. Write this on a, on a tablet. Write this on, a, an, on, on tablets that they that run may read it. You know, isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that you can go down I-40 or I-26 at 75 miles an hour and they got a billboard that you can read? Ain't that something? You think they know about the average speed of the motorist? You think they size the billboard so you could see that and understand it and take it in in just a matter of a second or two? God said, I want you to write this down, Habakkuk. I want you to write it down and I want you to make it plain. You know, we could understand the Word of God. We could come to a knowledge of what God says. But I wonder today, is there any desire? Do we really want to know what the Word of God says? Is there any real desire? Or are we trusting on what we believe? Have you got any precedent from the Word of God? I'm sure Clark or Lisa could talk about this a lot better than I could. But you know, I would imagine if Clark's got a case next week about some particular uh, uh, thing in the law, he's going to look back. He's going to look back and he's going to find a case with a precedent. He's going to look back and he's going to say, what did the judge do here? What did the jury do here? What was the precedent? I tell you, God is telling you and I, friend, we better look back in the book. We better look back and see what God has done in the past. We ought to look back in the book of Zechariah and see where our fathers are, see where our mothers are, see where the prophets are. We ought to know this, that God's Word is true. What you think don't matter a hill of beans, neither what I think. What God says is what matters. But He told Habakkuk, now listen, Habakkuk is saying, Lord, you can't do that. Lord, you can't destroy us with a nation that's worse than us. That's exactly what He's going to do. Write it down, Habakkuk 2 and 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and lie not. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. You know something you may get by today. You may get by today being unsaved. You may get by today with no knowledge of God or the payment for sin. You may get by with that today. But know this, God has wrote it down in His book and He's made it plain. You know what we're doing? I tell you, we're running, aren't we? I look around and I see people that are older than me. And I think how fast life is going for me. How fast you think it's going for people that are older than you and I? You think they're running? You think that they are heading at breakneck speed to the end? We are. We are headed there. But he says this. Now listen, Habakkuk, you write it down and know this. 
It may tarry a day or two. It may be that some of the prophets, some of them liars, may say, well, God's not going to bring judgment upon Israel. I believe that it, I believe there were some liars over there in Jeconiah's day. I believe there were liars there in Zedekiah's day. I believe there were liars there. A friend that made them, uh, uh, made them horns of, uh, of iron. Uh, but I want you to know this. In the end, the Word of God spoke. Don't think that because God is tarried that God has forgotten. That God is not going to do. What we ought to do if we had the right knowledge, we would think that God is being merciful. I've got a little window. He said in the book of Ezra, there's a little window, a little space of revival, a little place to put a nail in the holy place, a little place, friend, that we could come to the knowledge of the truth. So is it coming? Oh yeah, it's coming. And the devil says it ain't coming. The devil says God's tarrying. He ain't going to do anything. Oh yes. If he said, he must do. If God has set a precedent... And I, know, I didn't say a president. I said a precedent. If God has set a precedent in His book, know this, He will not change. We may have Judge Joe somebody today. We may have Joe, uh, uh, Judge uh, uh, Bill next week. And we may have another judge with a different name to follow. Know this, when you come before God, it'll be the same judge every time. It'll be the judge that wrote the book. It'll be the judge that set the precedent. It'll be the judge that is judged from the foundation of the world. It'll be the judge that judged Adam. It'll be the judge that judged Cain. It'll be the judge that judged Abraham. And it'll be the judge that I stand before. He is not going to come off of his throne. Know this. <coughs> You better look in your Bible and you better see what the precedent of God is. You better see what God has done in the past with this particular case. And know this, if my life lines up with this case, a friend, the same judgment's going to fall. Don't be unknowledgeable. Don't hide your head in the sand. Don't think that God is going to change the rules for you. So let's go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and I'm going to go to Revelation chapter 21 and you see if you've heard this before. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 Revelation chapter 21 verse number 8. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and the sorcerers and the idolaters and the liars shall all have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I've heard that used a lot of times. Every liar shall have his place in the lake of fire. I mean, it was sort of a boast. It was sort of saying, well, this man lied to me. And you know what's going to happen to him? He's going to hell. 
All liars and all murderers and all fornicators and all of these other people, they're going to hell. Would you separate yourself from that list? In a world with no knowledge, they separate themselves from that list. I mean, I have lied a few times, but you know God understands. I have slandered my brother and my sister with my mouth and murdered them and tried to destroy their reputation. But you know God understands. I have taken a few things with false pretense. I have been an extortioner, but you know God understands. Oh, man likes a harp and he likes to say, you know, that man that did this and did that and did the other thing and that man that's a liar and that man that's a thief, they're going to end up in hell! First Corinthians chapter number six. This is a even a bigger list, looks like. First Corinthians chapter number six, verse number nine. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Could I ask you one more time, who's righteous? Are there any righteous? Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. I believe most people in the world we're living in, they, they leave that first part of that verse off. They begin about, about right here. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves, with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortionists, shall inherit the kingdom of God. I believe that's where they usually start. And such were some of you. Now listen. We think that God, that I can live like this, and God's going to let me slide in. I can live a lifestyle like these two verses, 9 and 10. I can live a lifestyle like this, and God is going to allow me to get in. I tell you the only way that you're going to get in. Look at this verse. How beautiful that this verse is. Read it with me. And such were some of you. I'm sorry, let me go back to the first of nine. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Who's going to inherit what you've got? In your mind right now, who's going to inherit what you've got? Who? The family. How do I get into the family of God? A new birth or adoption. It's really the same thing. Two different views that we can wrap our human mind around. We're adopted in to the family of God or were born into the family of God by a new birth. Both, both of those really take place. But you see what he's saying? 
The unrighteous shall not inherit. If I'm not in the family, I'm not getting in. If I'm not in the family of God, I'm not getting any inheritance. You know who I am? I'll tell you by the Word of God, I am this. I am an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ by faith in a finished work of the Son of God. And the only reason that I've got an inheritance is because I'm in the family. I was an extortioner. I was a murderer. I was a fornicator. I was a drunkard. I was a reviler. I was all of those. But thank God I've been washed. That's what we were, Rex. That's what all of mankind is. From the finest lady that sits in the house to the finest gentleman in the house, we were all guilty of sinning against God. Our world doesn't believe that today. Man thinks if he doesn't commit X, Y, and Z, God's going to accept him. You're guilty! What I want to focus on is the sin. Not the solution right now, but the sin. Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 3. Folks, we're living in a world that what I've tried to give you this morning in a few little Scriptures, they do not know it, nor do they believe it. Romans chapter 3. What is the condition of man? Verse number 9. Now this chapter starts off with this. What advantage had the Jew? I want to ask you today. For someone who has never been in church, someone who has grown up, and I know we're living in a world that, that right around us today, There would be preachers that say everybody's heard about Jesus. Everybody's going to hear the gospel. Everybody's going to have an opportunity. That is a lie right out of hell. Everybody has not heard about Jesus. Everybody has not said unto the gospel. No ma'am and no sir, that is not true and I've got Bible to back it up. There are multitudes of people in this community right here they may have heard the name Jesus. But do they know who He is? Do they know His person and His purpose? They do not. You and I that are sitting in church houses under the gospel and under the teaching and the preaching and the exhorting and the explanation and the application a friend of the Word of God, we've got an advantage that other people do not have. What advantage? Well, much. We've got the oracle of God. We've got the Word of God. We've got what God said. <laughs> you know, we're living in a world today It really doesn't matter if Anthony or Rex or Greg or whoever gets up and reads the Word of God. If it don't suit me, it doesn't really matter. I don't believe that. Know this, the God that wrote the book, 
the God that wrote the book is the God that you're going to stand before. He's going to be the judge of all the world. So let's look. Romans 3 verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? No. In no wise. For we have before proved both Jews. That word proved means this, charged with. You're charged with that the Jews and the Gentiles, that they are all under sin. That word means this, that they are under the guilt and under the power of sin. Now folks, when Romans was written, probably 60-something A.D., 60 A.D. in my Bible, there's only two groups of people. I know there's a whole world, but there's only two groups of people in Paul's mind. There's Jews that have the advantage, and there are Gentiles who are the rest of the world who have not had the same advantage. Much of the Bible is written from the Gospel to the Revelation to enlighten us that God sent a Savior for the whole world. That God sent a Savior for the Scythian, for the Barbarian, for the Parthians, a friend from those from Greece, from those from Rome, from those that were Jews, and those that were Gentiles, from those from Ephesus, and those from Laodicea. He sent a Savior, and the only Savior for the whole world is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is misinterpreted and misquoted and used against continually that God, a friend, is going to save the whole world. He is not going to save the whole world. I'm sorry. Let's look at the condition of man. What then? Are we better off than they? No, no, no wise. For we have before proved, charged you, that both the Jew and the Gentile are under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's the condition of man. Now, man doesn't believe that. Most of our world today believes some way of justifying themselves. But the truth of the Word of God, why hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure, is man does not believe that he is not righteous. He doesn't believe that. He believes in, in, in adding up the two columns, and at the end of the day, he's always going to be in the black. God said there's none good. No, not one. That's what God said. What are you going to do with what God said? What are you going to do when God said there's none righteous, not even you? You think Paul, Saul of Tarsus, on the road to to Damascus, you think he thought he was righteous? Well, I believe with everything in me he thought he was righteous. He thought he was doing the right thing. I thought within myself I should do many things contrary to the name of the Lord Jesus. Do you think Nicodemus, when he came down to the Lord that night, by night, and said, Lord, we know that you're a teacher come from God. No man could do what you've been doing. you think he thought he was righteous? I believe with everything in me he thought he was righteous. But you know something? You don't have to be some great worker in the church and in religious matters to think you're righteous. No. But what does God say about our righteousness? God said that our righteousness is as filthy rags. 
a menstrual cost is what that means. That may be ugly, but I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm telling you exactly what the Word of God says and means. And you know what would like to you know what people would like to do with that? They'd like to get it out of sight. They'd like to get it out of here. They'd like to hide it. They'd like to put it away. They'd like for nobody to see it. They'd like for nobody to know it. I tell you that that's what my righteousness is. Something that needs to be put away. God help us. We have some knowledge. None understand, none seeketh after God, all gone the way, altogether unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat, throat is an open sepulcher. It's like a grave. A friend, you know what? And with their tongues they have used deceit, the poison of ass. I tell you what that is. Venomous, deadly, killing, destroying. A friend, a destroying everything that it comes in contact. And friend, that that is injected into its victim, it kills. That's what's in man. This is God's view of man. This ain't Greg's view of man. This is God's view of man. Venomous. Their feet, their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Venom. Slander. Their mouth is swelling out with cursing and bitterness. Are we not living... Honest to goodness, folks. Are we not living with the most... Filthy mouth generation of people that you have ever been around in your life. I mean, ever, ever third word is some explicitive that I mean it it just makes me cringe. But you know what it is? It's normal to all those people with no knowledge of God. It's normal. Paul said that was normal. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery, ruin uh, is in their ways. Wherever they go, that's what happens. I don't know what you think, but I can look back at my life before salvation. Anybody and everybody I come in contact with, you know what I was doing? I wasn't only destroying me, I was destroying them as well. That's, that, that, that's what man is. Oh, preacher, I would never hurt anybody. I tell you the honest to God truth, we don't know how that we would hurt. We don't know how we would destroy because we refuse to believe the Word of God. No knowledge. No understanding. The way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now let me tell you this, friend. If there's no fear of God, know this. There is absolutely no love of God. If there's no reverence for God, if there's no desire for God, there is no love of God. Don't tell me that you love God and live in for the devil. That's a lie. In has no knowledge of God, nor His Son, nor His Word. And He said, my people, 
in America founded and grounded on Christianity is so much in rebellion today that it has come right down to the church house. Rebellion against authority. Rebellion against the Word of God. Rebellion because man doesn't want to believe that he has to come to the terms of the Gospel. What a world of rebellion and a place of no knowledge today. Right down at the house of God. There is no fear of God. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them that are under the law. You know something? You're either under the law or you're under the grace of God. Have you lived up to the law? Most of our world today believes that God is working on checks and balances. You're going to have to live perfect, friend. You're going to get in by your works. You're going to have to live perfect. We're living in a community and in a world, and honest to God, in a great amount of the church world that does not believe that. They don't believe that. Just another second or two. Therefore, now we know that whatsoever things the law saith that saith to them who are under it, that every mouth may be stopped. That everyone... You know what we're going to have to do? We're all going to have to own our sin. You're going to own it. You're either going to own it in repentance and salvation through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're going to own it in the depths of hell forever and ever. You're going to own your sin. Preacher, I don't believe that. It doesn't change the Word of God, not one speck. By the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in His sight. The previous verse, the last, ver- the last word in that verse is may become guilty before God. No flesh shall be justified in whose sight? God. God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. You know what we better know? We better know God's book. You're going to die and go to hell because of no knowledge. You're going to die and go to hell because you justify yourself. You're going to die and go to hell because you think coming to church is going to get you in. You're going to, you're, you're going to die and go to hell because you think that your good works are going to outweigh your bad works. What a lie. What, you, know who's, you know who's behind the lies? The devil. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Thank you for your time.